Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, my name is Chuck Henshaw. I play Carter Hall, a.k.a. Hawkman on DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and you're listening to Next Level Radio. In a weekend full of Marvel, <laughs> you see what I did there? Uh, we are coming to you with another issue of DC Primetime, issue 16 of DC Primetime. And from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew, I am Rob Martin. And another three episodes of our shows for this week with new episodes of The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, again, Supergirl has wrapped up for the season, but we do have a little bit of news coming in our DC Essentials uh, about that and about a possibility of a renewal as well, so you'll be able to stick around a little bit later on in the podcast to hear about that. Yeah, uh, and like I said, we will, I can tell you this now, we do know within two weeks, uh, no matter what, we will have an answer on that. Yes. CB, C, uh, CB, uh, CBS has to have their renewals announced within two weeks, so you will definitely get that answer super soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because, again, fingers crossed for a second season of that show. Because I hate when they end seasons in in uh, cliffhangers and then we don't get to see another season to figure it out. Indeed. Oh, and before we go anywhere else so far in the show, happy Mother's Day to everybody. Yes, to all of the mothers out there, including our own. Yes. Huzzah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's dive into the first round of the jelly bean. Ch- oh wait, this is the wrong. No, podcast. no, Sorry. we're not doing that again, dude. We did that at work this week. Oh god, I've I got you, you hooked on it. Oh yeah, I've seen so many great videos this week. And if anybody doesn't know, like I said, if you listen to episode twenty six of the Kathy Crewcast of Pods, uh, we did the Bean Boozled Challenge. Thanks to Ben, uh, which is super fun. Definitely give it a chance to go listen to that. It's a uh, we do four rounds, and it's uh, we talked about it at the end of last week's show. But again, it's it's just funny. If you want a good laugh, definitely check that out. Yeah, I wish we would have taken video of it, but uh, you know we couldn't do it. But that's uh, right. there's always next month. <laughs> but, well, we might wait a couple months before we do that challenge again. Yeah, let's make make sure people forget it. First. I still have the taste of canned dog food in my mouth. Yeah. So, uh, but of course, let us proceed on with the this issue of DC Primetime first, starting with um, our ranking system of the episodes. For some reason, my mind went completely blank and I forgot what the name of the segment was. It's called the bullet point. The bullet point. Done this for 16 weeks in a row. I, I, I know. I, <laughs> I I started thinking about canned dog food, and I got distracted. Makes sense. Uh, but starting off with the Flash episode uh, 20 of the second season titled Rupture. Rob, we'll start with you in our ranking system of sidekick, hero, or legend. I already know where you're going with it. Uh-huh, but... legend. Done. Yep, absolutely. Legend, probably one of the best episodes of the season so far. And I have a feeling it's only going to get better leading up to the finale as well. Indeed. Uh, Arrow, Season 4, Episode 20, titled Genesis. What do you give this one? Hero. 
Uh, same page. I, I wanted so badly to give it a legend, and it, it's still coming up a little short, but yep. uh, we'll get into it a little bit later. And, of course, Legends of Tomorrow Season 1, Episode 14. Only two more episodes left of this season, uh, but this one t- titled River of Time. What would you give this one? Also here this week. Yeah, same page. Hero as well. So, uh, but now let's jump into the secret origins portion of the podcast where we give a breakdown and review of each of these episodes. Jumping back, I really wish we'd do the flash last because it would be saving the best for last, but we'll stick to the order, of course. Uh, season two, episode 20, titled Rupture. Zoom arrives back on Earth One, intent on taking over Central City. Barry and Wells come up with a plan to stop Zoom once and for all, but it's extremely dangerous and unsure if he should take the risk. Barry reaches out to both fathers for advice. Uh, Rupture came to Earth seeking justice for Reverb's death. Iris decides she's finally ready to open up to Barry about her feelings. So, definitely a lot. That happened in this episode of The Flash. And seriously, most of that in the last five minutes was all holy crap moments constantly. It was, this week was great, man. Like, every time we, like, watch the show and they do something major, it was just like, ah, they can't get better than this. And the week after, it's just like, here you go, we're doing better than that. So, there's not been a lot of missteps recently on the show. It's, we've been, I think, you know, we're... I think going to be doing something after all the shows wrap up and we can probably tell you about that real quick now that we were going to kick around the idea of doing an annual for each of the shows and kind of recapping the seasons as a whole. And I, I can't remember a week where it's been a hero. Uh, I think there was one a couple weeks back, but it was one of the few. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the show just keeps just doing everything right. Yeah. And like you said, a lot of this, uh, happened in like the the later portion of the episode, but that's not to say that the first portion of the episode wasn't good at all. And it, it's funny because I almost wanted to, uh, I wanted to say at some point, you know, during the second half of the episode, somebody needs to call Kendra because this roast just got dark. Uh, it's a joke. It, it's a reference to being a barista, mm. which I know. Which hey, we've been barista free for a while. So. We have been, so I understand. It's okay. Um, but yeah, get him, in, um, get him in while you can. Exactly. Uh, but a lot of things, obviously, we see at the beginning of this episode. We saw it at the end of last week's episode, but uh, John Wesley Ship has returned, and it seems like he's going to be back for the rest of the season, which I, I think is both great, but also worries me at the same time, because I have a fear um, if they're making him a season regular for the rest of the season, which, again, is only three more episodes. Um I have a fear they might be killing him off, and I really hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, that does scare me a little bit. There was something from DC All Access. Forget if we talked about it last week or not, but there was uh, Tom Cavanaugh did bring up the idea that there's a potential death on the horizon in that show and uh, for the finale. And I really, really don't want to see anybody go. I think, we, yeah, we actually did talk about this last week. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that that's not the direction they're going to go with that. Yeah. Now, there is a a little bit of a reference in this episode, at least not a reference, but a little bit of an Easter egg that gives me a little bit of hope that if they do kill off John Wesley Ship, they do kill off Henry Allen, um, there's a possibility that we still could see John Wesley Ship remain with the show. Uh, And that was the reference to the fact that uh, when Barry mentions Jay Garrick's name to Henry, uh, Henry happens to say that Garrick was his mother's maiden name. Yeah, and that kind of made me wonder if, 
you know, the man in the iron mask, Jay Garrick, is, is John Wesley Ship. Is John Wesley Ship, which would which would stay true to both predictions that we have. It it could be that while it, might, it will not be Teddy Sears in the who's the man in the iron mask, Jay Garrick, who could still be the man in the iron mask, is actually Henry Allen from Earth Two. And how great would it be to, to see John Wesley Ship portraying the silver, like you know, the Golden Age Flash, you know? It would be awesome because, like, you know, the, the JSA, you know, work that we've seen in the artwork obviously is always kind of like, you know, the older guy. Like, it's it's definitely, you know, it's it's kind of like the, their, their silver slash golden years of their lives. You know, it's these older heroes that are still around that are still trying to make a difference. And just being able to see John Wesley ship that way would be super awesome. I, yeah. I would be so happy to see that. Yeah, and I think it was last week, too, when we were talking about um, the Great Philadelphia Comic-Con coverage that I had and my costume of Jay Garrick uh, from the show in the Silver Age Flash, uh, Justice Society of America Flash. I've fallen in love so much with the retro looks of those heroes in Justice Society of America. So to see John Wesley Shit portray that version of the Flash and, in essence, be the only person who has played two different versions of the Flash... Uh, in his career, I think that would be awesome if that's what happens. Yeah, I would love it too. And like when we heard, I think both of us probably had both kind of had that geek out moment when we heard it because we knew we wanted to have a conversation together. And yeah, uh, when I finished this week and when I texted you because I was a couple days behind, you're like, I was waiting for you to text me after <laughs> you after you saw this week. Yeah, and uh, that was the one thing we didn't get into. Get did, ah, blah, can't talk. Didn't get into via text, but yeah, that was that was definitely a highlight of this week. Was just even hearing that that nod. Um, so you know they're going to probably play with that somewhere. And it was one of those things that when you heard him mention it, uh, you know, I was just thinking to myself, just knowing the writers of the show, the moment he mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, that's not just a throwaway line. That means something. Yeah. Well, like I said, it, it always takes, does. It takes us back to the beginning of the season when they said, hey, that guy on the bench, my doppelganger from Earth One, is his name is Hunter Zolomon. Like that, that wasn't a throwaway either, you know? All those little things that they do in the show tie together so nicely. They don't really throw much away. I think the only thing we ever saw that was ever thrown away in the show is uh, the Jason Rush mention and appearance in season one with Firestorm. But everything else has played out pretty heavily. Yeah. So. Uh, another cool thing that we saw in this episode is we find out how the team found a way to, uh, I guess, escape the the inevitability of the of the city finding out that the flash no longer has his abilities uh and that's with a hologram which is pretty damn cool yeah it was they they kind of used the cosmic treadmill a little bit in that one and i thought it was it was it was a nice fun way for them to do that yeah there's a lot of fun moments in this episode when it came to the hologram and it came to recreating the incident to try and give barry back his powers uh that led back to cisco and cisco was definitely a lot of fun in this episode, which I absolutely loved. We found out, too, that, um, you know, in, in referencing to Cisco, Cisco is a huge Harry Potter fan. Oh, that moment at the end. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll save that. We'll save that. Yeah, we'll we save that for a little bit later. Because uh, that was a moment that made me laugh out loud watching this episode. Uh, but we also find out um, a couple other things worth noting. We meet Rupture, who is a... Uh, metahuman from Earth 2, who also happens to be the doppelganger of Cisco's brother. Yeah, Dante. Dante. Uh, and we also find out Zoom's ultimate plan is to pretty much just kill everyone on Earth 2, with the exception of Caitlin, who he wants to try and turn evil. Like, he wants to not necessarily, I don't think it's in a Killer Frost kind of way, uh, but he just wants her to just to come to terms with being evil and be evil with him. 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like I said, I, I know there's been a lot of anger and hate towards, like, it felt like the Zoom plot kind of got a little wild and loose, and it was, you know, I, I can see some holes in it throughout the season. I mean, it's definitely not as tight as the reverse, reverse Flash arc, but I, I still have to say it's still incredibly enjoyable to watch. I mean, he's still a great, fun villain, and yeah, I mean, like, them whole kind of, like, that world domination kind of simplistic ideal um, is, unfortunately, I think a little bit of a letdown, but you know what? It still works well in the show, and you can't you can't really fault, fault it for that. I mean, The Flash has always been very honest about what it is, and I think there's a lot of people that are coming down a little harder on it than they need to right now. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that, too. I mean, but again, it's like you said, like... The the reverse Flash storyline was so strong, and I still think the Zoom storyline is a strong storyline, though. I mean, we're seeing a lot come out of it. Uh, I think it's the perfect way. I mean, you know, granted, um, reverse Flash was, uh, you know, is was the one that explored time travel. It was the one that gave us the ability, gave the show the ability to explore explore time travel. And now Zoom is the storyline that gives us the ability, gives the show the ability to explore the multiverse. Right. So. Um, you know, yeah, I I still think it's it's a strong storyline. Granted, might not be as as great as Reverse Flash, but I think it's just as good. Yeah, and I think where you know maybe his his role in all of this is lacked a little bit. The show has done some amazing things around it that it I I don't think you can really fault it. No, no, so. not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other things worth mentioning before we break down into details. We got to see Iris and Barry come a little closer with each other with Iris's admission to Barry about her feelings about how everything is. Uh, we got to see um, what's left to be open and open for interpretation as to uh, the possibility of Wally and Jesse becoming metahumans. Mm-hmm. And, of course, by the end of the episode, we find out that Barry kind of has his uh, his Dr. Manhattan moment in that through the incident, he becomes pure energy, pretty yeah. much. Well, before we dive into that, there's one moment I have to bring up because it was just exceptional to watch. Um, I think one of the coolest action sequences we've seen this season was the showdown between Zoom and the Central City Police Department inside CC Jitters. Oh, I mean, man. And it was just brutal to watch. And, but it was awesome. It was so well done, which is this moment in question is uh, the Central City Police Department all you know being asked to walk away from being cops if not zoom was going to start laying waste to pretty much everybody on earth one so uh and they kind of mentioned that's how it all started you know wells brings up one earth two it starts with the police wipes them out and then it's you know pulling together the metas one by one by one and uh the exact same thing happens so you you see the cops try to put up their last stance in their last fight and you see captain singh and and joe west kind of leading the the little task force against Zoom. And, uh, yeah, you know, the main reason for it was for them to stop Rupture first. Uh, Rupture was going to be their big catalyst. And, you know, we have the, hol- like, handy-dandy hologram of the Flash come into play, which, you know, quickly gets debunked after the Rupture is taken down. And then we're treated to a wonderful appearance by Zoom and him just laying waste in this exceptional scene where it was a blink of an eye and every neck snapped but the captain and Joe, you know. It well, was, that was uh, that. It was that was intense. the yeah. That was the moment of the show where I mentioned earlier in a really bad joke um, that the show really turned really dark all oh, of yeah. a sudden. Um, you know, a lot of death in one scene, um, you and know, brutal and, and, too. Very brutal. Snapping I mean, of necks. I mean, um, I mean yeah. I mean, that's not even like we didn't even mention that 
again, Zoom also, after Rupture fails, just lays waste to him. Yeah, it, it seems that nobody is safe in this show, not even... Uh, nobody is safe from Zoom at this point, not even his own henchmen. Yeah, I mean, you saw it when we were over on Earth 2 with uh, Reaver being killed uh, at the hands of Zoom. Uh, you know, Killer Frost as well. I mean, it's just nonstop, you know, Death Storm the whole nine. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy to see what they're doing. I mean, they're not afraid to take lives. And granted, these are the ones that aren't as impactful, but they're impactful to the main cast of characters. Yeah, I mean, and the main difference between, I mean, we've made a lot of comparisons to the Reverse Flash and to Zoom as well. While both are speedsters, uh, two extremely different kinds of characters. I mean, where Wells was the Reverse Flash in Season 1, uh, he was doing what he was doing basically to get home and just doing whatever he wanted to do, you know, doing whatever he had to do in order to make that possible. While we have, you know, Hunter Zolomon, who is Zoom, who just has no regard for anybody and just is pure evil and just wants to see everybody and the world laid to waste yeah pretty much two completely different types of villains but both done very very well yeah it's it's very much not season one homeward bound the eobard thawne story you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly that's a good way to put it uh so let's break some of this other stuff in down into into detail and go into some of our favorite moments from the show obviously um jumping back to the beginning we saw the hologram of the flash which i thought was really really awesome yeah and the cool thing i love that the fact that they brought up the reason why it was important to make sure that people know the flash is still around was here's the list of all the known metahumans on earth 2 and that it was yeah, this is just a small fraction. <laughs> yeah. This is what we could fit on a page, basically. And it was like, you know, that was our particle accelerator, and yours was just as powerful, and you've only dealt with this small handful of people. You know, the moment the flash is gone, how many come out of the woodwork? And I'm yeah. wondering if that's what we're going to see next week, is the start of the metahuman uprising. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. If, I wouldn't be surprised if that if that's it. Well, I don't know if that's something we're going to see next week. I, I think next week is going to be a lot of... Uh, a Barry centric episode. Yeah, uh, it is the Kevin Smith directed episode, mm-hmm. uh, but it is the one where um, I think we're going to see Barry kind of inside his own mind. Obviously, not inside his own body because he doesn't have one right now. Or yeah, well, yeah, before we get to that, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. let's go into actually. I guess it's some of the other really great moments. Obviously, you mentioned you know the the hologram stuff, but some really great strong scenes between Grant and John Wesley Ship at the cabin, like really touching stuff. And it was nice to see that, too, because we've both been talking for a while that it's been sad to see uh, Ship not as prevalent in the show this season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, um, you know, as, as you had mentioned, a lot of I mean, it's it's pretty much the the devil on the shoulder and the angel on the shoulder kind of situation where, you know, two completely differences of opinions as to whether or not this is something that Barry should do. And more for, you know, when it coming down to this is Barry's choice. It shouldn't be, you know, Henry's choice. It shouldn't be Joe's choice. It shouldn't be Wells's choice. Everybody has their own different opinion. But when it comes down to it, Barry's the one that has to make the decision on his own. Yeah, I and mean, it was kind of nice to see kind of like his three father figures basically in his life all talking about this. And, you know, it was just that wonderful scene of Grant coming into the, the shot and just kind of like, let me make this decision. And all of them kind of like, understanding and believing that with the exception of wells wells is like nope you need to do this don't be an idiot um you know and obviously it wouldn't make for a good story if he didn't do that by the end but but yeah i mean it was nice to see those three characters function together and i think i really want to see a lot more of that and especially after the fallout of this episode how 
that's going to play out. I mean, you know there's going to be some serious negativity between, you know, Joe and Henry against, you know, Harrison. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens next week. Yeah, and it almost felt like it was it was each of the three of them played a different role in uh, the morality of the choice. I mean, you had Wells, who was the person who was dead set that it needed to be done. Um, Henry was the one who was, you know, dead set against it and said, you know, it doesn't have to happen. You don't need to be the Flash to be a person, uh, you know, to be important. And then it was Joe who was kind of like, well, whatever you decide is the way, you know, I'll support you. You know, so he was the neutrality of the whole thing. And it turns yeah. out that of all three of them, Wells turns out to be the one who's right. Yeah. So. Uh, and I got to say, too, another great scene this week. Uh, you, you, I know a lot of people threw a lot of hate at her in the first season, but Candace Patton really stepped it up. Um, and the scene between her and Grant was fantastic with Iris finally telling Barry, look, I really do care a lot about you. And can we try to find a way to revisit this and see what we can do and go from here? Like everything that she's seen in the past between multiple Earths and alter you know additional points in time where they are together and it was her really wanting to embrace that future and it was nice to finally see that scene yeah and i've i've never really been one who's been against candace Patton. yeah same here i've actually really enjoyed her it was it was just a very different take on iris and what they did and built her as in season one has really come full circle by this episode i think yeah, it, they, they they showed her as a really positive member of this cast and a really positive part of the heart of the show Exactly. I mean, not every character, you know, develops as quickly as as other ones do. And I think her character development has come along a lot quicker lately because she's now starting to fall into place as to where she her character is in the canon of the Flash. That, you know, I think last season, too, she was kind of more of a background character than anything And with her now being part of Team Flash. Things were able it's a lot easier, I think, for the writers to get her to progress. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that as well. Uh, but I mean, on top of uh, on top of Candace Patton and um, you know her character as well, I think one of the other we both we touched on this a little bit earlier on too. Uh, but Carlos Valdez in this episode, yeah, was, really, really touching scenes between Cisco and Dante. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, which he and his brother do end up becoming closer by the end, which you find out is something that he kind of always wanted uh, with his brother. He always made the attempts, but his brother was the one that kind of pushed it away. And, you know, his brother feeling that it was, um, you know, the only time he ever heard from Cisco was when something was wrong. And it turned out to be the case yet again. But in this instance, it kind of brought the two of them together. Yeah, it was like him finally coming clean to, you know, one of his family members that he was affected by the particle accelerator, you know, that he is vibe, all this stuff. And it was, it, and like I said, the original kind of way that you saw Dante kind of treat it was really kind of shitty, you know, yeah. <laughs> but by the end of everything, when he saw the death of rupture, um, it really kind of, you know, struck a chord with him and it was like seeing his own brother die. And, uh, it was a very touching moment before the, uh, the episode wrapped up. And I guess yeah. now was good as time to anything to get into, <laughs> The meat of this episode, the last five minutes that were probably some of the coolest things they've ever done on this show. Oh, God, it was amazing. Yeah, and it all starts with Barry's decision that it needs to be done. They need to recreate the particle accelerator incident in order for him to attempt to get his powers back. Yeah, very, and let's say right off the bat, very Flashpoint-esque, man. Yes, very Flashpoint-esque. Flashpoint-esque. Um, you know, but we got to see 
Barry hooked up into the machine while Wells is pumping him full of the chemicals that uh, got into his system that were the the chemicals that were in his lab when he was struck by the lightning. Mm-hmm. So down to the smallest detail, Wells tries to recreate this incident as well as far and even going as far as they have to create the lightning that strikes the particle accelerator. And yeah, I love the, the fact that they brought out, you know, weather wizard's wand. And, yes. Uh, so everything's counting down. You see Cisco on the rooftops and as that lightning bolt strikes, what does he say? Expecto Patrona. I loved it. Oh, it was so wonderful. And it was like me and my wife were just sitting there and just smiling ear to ear. And I'm like, of course Cisco would do that. And it was like, it was just wonderful. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> yeah, it was It was one of my favorite moments of the episode because it was so, it was a lighthearted moment in this big, you know, seriousness that this episode is now going into for the end of it. And I mean, again, it's, it's pure... Uh, that that's Cisco. It's to a pure a joy. It's it's yes. pure joy. Yes. Um. I mean, so you know, we see the lightning bolt hit Barry. Um. As the particle accelerator goes off, the fingerprint analysis chemicals are in his system. All this stuff are happening, and what happens? But we see Barry ripped apart by the speed force, basically, and become pretty much pure energy he becomes and it's this is what was just made me so happy because there's this dour moment uh and for those that don't know flash lore i was giddy and my wife's the look of my wife's face was this is really sad and i'm sitting there giggling and happy as can be and she's like what is wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like barry became the lightning this is this was the return of barry allen um, so it was so awesome to see them do this. It's the fact that he ultimately, if you kind of look at it in, I believe it was final crisis where Barry does return at the very end. And, uh, you know, basically when he dies in crisis of infinite earths and is kind of consumed by the speed force, they kind of mentioned that he basically became the lightning that ultimately created him. Yes. And, uh, it was awesome to see them kind of do this in a really nice small smaller way but that's still a, such a huge way um so the fact that he basically became the lightning bolt that created the flash is yeah. something very special well you can see also at the same time while your wife did become very sad at the moment because there is some sadness to this moment while it's great you know as as comic book fans we know exactly what happened we know that this is a good thing for barry this is what you know creates barry this is what brings barry back but a lot of you know it a lot of sadness in this in this scene as well because we have wells and joe and henry and iris and everybody in cisco and you know they're all there believing that they just killed their friend right you know, and, so they're blaming themselves at the same time. And the best way that they just jam that home and hit that nail, you know, through is, you know, Zoom comes into the room at the time and is this kind of like, great job. You just basically killed the one thing that you had potentially able to stop me. Yeah. And it was him gloating just for a second and speeding away and just leaving them there with their with their misery. But that's still not the end of this yet. No. I mean, we uh, before this happened, obviously, uh, we find that Wells uh, and Joe actually take Wally and Jesse and they put them up in the room. I forget what they call the, the room. time vault. The time vault. They lock them in the time vault so that they're safe from Zoom. And uh, in the meantime, while all of this is happening, Jesse and Wally are working together to find a way to escape. 
the time vault. And of course, at the perfect time, at least for us viewers, they do find a way out. And what happens to them when they are out of when they finally escape from the room? You see Barry in his all energy form rip through the halls of Star Labs and run right through both Wally West and Jesse Wells. And yes. it was you see them knocked out on the floor and like, oh, we were waiting for this for weeks. And now, I'm like, that's perfect. Now, I, I do have um, not an issue with this, but I'm curious about something. Is this now I had the 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 kind of the sonic boom, the the, the lightning and the flash that goes through the, uh, you know, uh, that goes through Star Labs. Is that another concussive blast from the particle accelerator or is that in fact pretty much pure speed force in the form of barry going through it was kind of hard to tell i think it might be a little bit of column a a little bit of column b um but i think in all honesty if i have to really make a call to say one way or the other i think it was the pure it was a pure version of the speed force um i think that's what barry was really turned into and that's what i was that's what i was leaning more towards too because if that's the case this of course is a way to uh, you know, imbuing the powers of give the speed force to Jesse and to Wally to create the speedsters that we, you know, we assume they're going to become. But I have read in the past, too, that, you know, Andrew Kreisberg and the showrunners of the show have said that the title of the show is called The Flash, not Flash and Friends. So there's really not going to be, uh, you could take that as an assumption that there's not going to be any more versions of the flash other than Barry. That's not to say that they're not going to be imbued with speed force because they're not the flash. They'll be Jesse quick and, you know, kid flash and whoever they're going to be. Well, yeah, I mean, they can do so much that they want to with Wally. They can call him kid flash. They can call him impulse, whatever they want to do. You know? Um, I mean, it's, they can do anything here. I think they, they've showed that everything in the flash universe is pretty much, they can do whatever the hell they want. And I think with the ratings they're constantly getting, I don't think the CW or Warner Brothers is going to have a problem with them doing whatever the hell they want. Yeah, I mean, um, one way or another, I think this is a, a proof positive that Jesse and Wally, one way or another, whether it's Speed Force or some kind of other metahuman power, they're going to have powers, and they're yeah. going to be part of Team Flash, which yeah. is just going to be awesome. Yeah, we're, we're. I think without a shadow of doubt, next week we'll probably see them coming into the beginnings of their powers. Um, do we think or do we think this is something that's not going to develop until season three? I don't know. I mean, we only have a couple episodes left. Or there's, what, three episodes to go. Yeah. So I think I think we're going to maybe see the start of it, but I don't think we're going to see them costumed up or anything like that until probably the finale. Um, or maybe even not until the start of season four. Yeah, so season three. Or season three. So it's a big wait and see. But I, I do think we're going to at least see the start and the development of things next week uh, with Barry Nail kind of either lost in the speed force, lost in time, however they're going to do this. Um, and it's going to be maybe up to Cisco and, you know, the Star Labs crew to figure out what to do next. And maybe it's it's them using the new speedsters to do something with this. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. But yeah, we can, we'll probably, we've already gone way too long in this episode. So <laughs> I think maybe we should wrap this up and move on to Arrow. Yeah, well, I mean, real quick, obviously, like you had mentioned, we have, you know, the next week's episode, episode 21, is called The Runaway Dinosaur. Uh, with Barry gone, the team must figure out a way to handle the return of an old enemy, Girder. Uh, realizing Girder is re- retracing his steps from his last attack, Iris volunteers to act as bait to trap him in Star Labs. And meanwhile, Barry fights to return to his old life. Yeah. Uh, and as we had mentioned before, too, this is the episode 21. This is the Kevin Smith 
directed episode, which uh, does have a cameo from Jason Mewes. Uh, actually, well. yeah, he 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 plays two characters in this episode. Apparently, like he does play a masked character that you don't see the face of. That's supposed to be one of Zoom's henchmen, and then he's just also in just another character. I think in a scene in CC Jitters. So yeah, so yeah, it'll be. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this this episode, and with Kevin Smith's love of this show and just the amount of emotion that's in the show, I think this is going to be a very emotional. Uh, emotional episode more than likely well yeah i mean because you're again you're dealing with barry fighting to get back and you're also dealing with ever the repercussions of everybody else still believing that they killed barry well i think also too one of the things that was kind of special there is a shot that was in one of the trailers for it, and it looks like Nora allen makes an appearance this episode yeah so i think we're gonna see barry and his mother at some point in this that's gonna be i think probably an upcoming tearjerker she'll be ready next week yeah uh, but let's move, as you mentioned, we did spend, a, we spent a lot of time on that episode, uh, more so than usual, but it's the flash. So I, I think we spent more time on that than we did the Supergirl finale. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't be surprised, but it's the flash. It's come to be expected. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the next episode of the week, which would be arrow season four, episode 20 titled Genesis as Oliver and Felicity look for a magical solution to defeat dark, a vengeance driven diggle gets a lead on Andy's whereabouts and heads off to confront his brother. Meanwhile, Alex takes Thea on a vacation that quickly turns into a night. Mayor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Truman Show Part Two. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Actually, I was kind of referring it. I was kind of um, relating it to Wayward Pines. Okay, yeah, I can see that too. Um, obviously, Wayward Pines takes place in the future. This takes place in the present. So, I mean, but there's definitely correlation to both the Truman Show and Wayward Pines as well. So, uh, but uh, we get another mention of Constantine early on in this episode, which was fantastic. Um, I have a note here that we got another Harry Potter reference from Thea. Yeah, and I can't. I can't remember what it is now to save my life. I know. Yeah, there was another reference. So apparently, I think if memory serves correctly, I think somebody mentioned that there was a Harry Potter reference in all three episodes this week. Uh, I didn't catch the one if there was indeed one in Legends, so maybe I'll have to go back and watch that and see if yeah, there, I didn't, there was I didn't, one. I didn't catch it in Legends either. Uh, we got to see the characters go into Hub City for the first time rather than just make mention of it. Uh, we got to... Uh, I'm trying to think. We got to see Oliver use magic for the first time yeah. in this episode. Uh, well, mentioned... vol- voluntarily. So you did see a little bit of that with... Uh the tattoo given to him by Constantine, like where you saw that glowing when he was being tortured on the island. Um, But yeah, this is the first time we've actually full on seen him willingly use magic. Yeah. A couple other things worth mentioning too. We got the mention of Rubicon, AKA the flood of Genesis. Uh, We got to see, as we had mentioned, Damien's underground uh, uh, arc, as they are calling it in the episode, which is the safety from the flood, which is where we find out Thea is by the end of the episode. And, of course, the big thing that at least the biggest part of this episode, in my opinion, uh, a very, very dark moment in which Diggle kills his brother. Yeah, um, which I'm not surprised about. What I was surprised about, and we're just, we can just dive right into this, because, again, it felt like the background stuff was on the smaller side of things this week, with the exception of Ollie's story and the Diggle story, but... I will say I was a little shocked that Diggle did lie to Lila uh, on the reasons for killing Andy at the end. I thought that was kind of unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I yeah, I can see that. I mean, uh, he he never really lied to Lila before about any of this. They've been through a lot worse, so I don't see why he would have mm-hmm. come up with a different reason as to why. Uh, I mean, you're protecting your family. That's that's the purest form of it. You 
you know, and it's just, I don't know. I mean, yes, he kind of did kill him in cold blood, but at the same time, though, too, it was that there, he, he was right. It was the right move to do. Your brother is insane and will constantly keep trying to kill your family. So Yeah, there was that, no coming back from as far. He, he's gone too far at this point. Yeah, and it was one of those things is I don't think any viewer is going to have an issue with the fact that, you know, John did that uh, at all. So the fact that they're going to turn it into a, a bit of drama for him, I think is a little unnecessary. I, I I would have been perfectly fine with him just being resolved about doing what he had to do. Well, I mean, I, yes and no. I mean, I can see like how that could have been the wrap up to this whole story with Diggle going down his, you know, going down his deep hole. But I mean, you have to imagine too, like this is you're killing one of your own family members. Oh yeah, and I mean, it, it's, it's it's a big moment. I do I do agree with that. Yeah, it's going to drive you into a dark place, whether, you know, it, it, it's it's not something you can say, hey, you know, like, all right, 10 minutes before the show ends, Andy dies, Diggle kills him. Uh, next week, we're not even going to mention it. No, it, it kind of has to be mentioned. It does. I think it's just the added drama of him keeping that from Lila is, was the unnecessary point more than anything else. It's kind of like, let him deal with the fact that he had to kill his brother, and you don't have to make it something more than just that. Now it is yeah. betraying the trust of Lila and all this stuff as well. While she would have understood, she works for Argus for Christ's sake. I mean, they have to do some intense shit. They worked for Amanda Waller. I mean, the Suicide Squad existed in this world. All these things, they're going to be okay with this. Now, on the mention of the Suicide Squad, I want to put this to you because this is something that I picked up on and I don't know if you did too. Did we see a Easter egg for the Suicide Squad in this episode? Because there's an episode where Diggle is chasing after Andy, he gets to the abandoned warehouse, and in the garbage can burning is a deck of cards, very predominantly, is the Joker. Now, I could just be reading way too much into this, but the fire that's burning inside this trash can could have been anything. It could have just been garbage. Why was it playing cards? Uh, maybe it could have been a nod to the Royal Flush Gang, which have, been, have appeared on the show already, um, I think twice now. So I, I, it could be anything at this point. Um, I, I wasn't could, quite it, sure why it was there. It, I don't know if it was a nod to the Joker because they did Ace Chemicals. We saw Ace Chemicals in the Flash last week. Um, now we have this, but I'm wondering though too again because you have to remember Royal Flush Gang has appeared in multiple episodes, so it could just be a nod to them. So, yeah. but I mean, it definitely had to be a nod to something because it, it was. I just wasn't quite sure why it was there. It felt yeah. very. It kind of felt out of place. And that's the thing, like, if if this wasn't a nod to something, this could have just been a fire in a garbage can you never even had to look at. But the fact that they looked in the garbage can and you saw playing cards, it, it had to be a nod to something, I just don't know what. Yeah. So, uh, but again, jumping back to the beginning of the episode, and we apologize if we're jumping all over the place with Arrow, but we did see, as we had mentioned to Arrow and Felicity, go to Hub City. Uh, and this time to you're I think you're more familiar with this reference than I am. They're 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 going there to find someone that con- basically Constantine sent them to Hub City in order to find someone. Yeah, they're they're tracking down somebody else that could help kind of teach Oliver some form of magic to defend himself against Dark. And the character that they're hunting down, her character's name is Aaron Fortuna. Um, now this is if you watch this episode and you're like, wait a second, is this supposed to be Zatanna? Is this supposed to be Madame Xanadu? This is an original character, and this actually kind of peeved me quite a bit. Um, there's so many magical characters they could be pulling from, especially if you're going to use Constantine as the point of reference. Constantly, I know Matt Ryan was busy. I think Ben was mentioning to me beforehand that they couldn't pull him in. Uh, this was a great chance to explore more of the magical side of the just uh, well, the DC Universe. And for them to kind of randomly pull somebody out, I thought it was kind of odd. 
Um, you know, again, I think Madame Xanadu would have been a perfect call for here, or actually even just pulling in Zatanna. I think that would be great. But I think uh, Zatanna is currently tied up with the Justice League Dark movie that's still in the rumblings to be getting worked on that Guillermo del Toro has been attached to and all this stuff. So, um, But again, I, I can't imagine <laughs> that anybody's doing anything with Madame Xanadu. So that that would have been an easy call in my book to to, to use her as the placeholder here. So, yeah. Yeah. But so yeah, it was um it, it was a very small quick scene. I don't think they really did too too much with it. I would have liked to see them play this out for another episode or two. Uh it was a cool moment though that in the you know, in the moment where we see uh Oliver facing the darkness that is in his life, we see him in kind of like a nightmare state where he's facing both Damian Dark and Deathstroke, which was kind of cool to see return to the show. Yeah, and then, you know, Malcolm Merlin in there too as the Dark Archer and just flashes back to his death, the hands of Rachel Ghoul, well, almost death. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, I think, a nice little moment where you see all these things happening. We get a quick shot or two of Lian Yu um, with, I guess, some of the flashback stuff that we have yet to see play out in full. So, yeah, I'm very curious on how this is, how this is going to go. But it was nice to see that was our flashbacks for the week. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, and it was stuff that we had already seen before, which was nice. Um, you know, we're just basically revisiting a lot of the darkness that was in Oliver's life. And I know a, a common complaint, even from yourself, uh, in previous seasons of the show, is that the show has gone a little too dark for this character. Uh, and now we're starting to see that, you know, he's embracing the darkness in his life, and it's giving him the ability, as we see later on in the episode, to kind of bring a bit of light magic to the mix. Uh, do we think this might be... Uh, the little nod to the fans that, okay, we've acknowledged this has been a little too dark. We're going to try and lighten things up for you going from this point forward. I think so, because honestly, if you look at it this way, I mean, Christ, the whole idea of the magic he's using was based about purely on the positivity and hope. To So with him embracing that, he has to become a different person, a different character. And I'm wondering if that is really a nod to that by the time we're going to see the next season of the show... We're, we may be seeing a very different Green Arrow. Yeah, which I think would be cool. I think it would be a different, a different change of pace. Not to say that I'm disappointed with the where things are now, but um, you know, a change up is always good sometimes. Yeah, I think it, it, it. I think what would work that too, and it actually would oddly enough help the flashbacks is if we are really are seeing a drastically different version of Ollie uh, in the flashbacks to current. Because right now, when we do see it, it feels like the same Ollie that we're watching. Um, the one that you're seeing on Leanne, you does not feel much different than the current present day. And that's the one thing they always said is like, we want to show the difference. And I'm like, they seem identical. Yeah. Um, so if you have a drastically more positive hope driven character, uh, and then versus the, uh, the past the darker side of him, I think that would show and clear up a little bit better. I mean, yeah. granted, I, w- I think we both agree that we both prefer not to see any of those moments at all anymore, but, <laughs> but I think it would be it would drastically help differentiate the character um, show how to show how much he really has grown. Yeah. I and, mean, I, I, I'm okay. I'm a sen- I'm okay with flashbacks if they're essential to the story. I just don't feel like we need them every week. No. And I actually kind of appreciate that. We've, they felt like they've slowed down a little bit. Um, well, we haven't seen them for the past two weeks. Yeah. And it's been nice. The fact that they're playing with the flashbacks in different ways. And maybe if they do that next season where it's like, hey, every week doesn't have to be the flashback story. It can be a different side story. And I think that's the better way to do this. And I think if they can embrace what they're doing with that now, they did kind of address that that is a problem in the show. And maybe this is them starting to fix that. Yeah. Uh, One thing I noticed late in the episode, too, as well, is uh, no Paul Blackthorne 
this week. No yeah. Quentin Lance. He's grieving, just like yes. a lot of fans still. So, Yes. I know one thing we looked over uh, is the very, very beginning of this episode where we see Damien Dark return to Hive, uh, and in a big, bad way at the same time. I mean, we see him take out both of the, the two remaining board members of Hive, with Malcolm Merlin kind of standing behind him as his number two, mm-hmm. uh, as well as a number of other people that were kind of, uh, you know, in his... In his, uh, his uh, entourage that were there with him yeah uh so i i'm liking i I think damian dark is a great villain for this show and i as much as i i want to see this show take a lighter tone i hope i hope they don't kill off damian dark by the end i I I, hope they reserve yeah i hope they keep him around like i said build that rogues gallery it's important to the show um and keep him in the background somewhere like have him lose tuck his tail between his legs and run you know Find find a way to survive some way, shape, or form. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I kind of I'm taking to uh, they're starting to turn Malcolm Merlin more and more into kind of like a uh, a symbiote that just kind of attaches himself to the next evil person. Mm-hmm. Every time he every time the next evil person comes around, he kind of just follows where the big evil is at the same time, yeah. rather than be the big evil himself. Right. So, which I'm okay with, because I, I I like I love John Barrowman. So the longer we can keep him around on this show, uh, the better. So if that's what it takes to keep him through the, the run of the series, then I'm fine with it. Yeah, and I think we got to say too, the low point of this week by far was uh, the Thea storyline. Um, it was you know <laughs> felt kind of weird. Not gonna lie, uh, it felt very out of place. You know, we did finally get confirmation that Alex is indeed brainwashed by Dark, and. Uh, he has drugged Thea, locked her away in the Ark, as we mentioned before. So she is trapped inside the dome um, underground in the hive base. So, yeah, it was... Um, but I did like the fact that at least Thea figured it out pretty pretty simplistically. Like, she noticed that the sounds were on a loop and little things like that. Her using her smarts, but it was still... There was a lot of it and didn't feel like there needed to be a lot of it like that this week. Yeah. Uh, now, do we think that Alex is brainwashed intentionally or do we think this is part of the uh kind of like Rouvet uh, putting these pills to him like hey you know these are vitamins you should be taking these and it was kind of her inside way to get Alex against his against his will I hate to say this I really don't care <laughs> <laughs> I don't know he's very kind of very much a cookie cutter boring character I he's he was only interesting during the mayoral uh, uh election stuff uh for Ollie and that's it um you know, I don't really think he's you know necessary to being around, and I think it's just kind of shoehorning Thea into an odd odd plot line. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can I can definitely agree with you on that. I really don't see I don't see Alex staying around very long, and even if he doesn't, if they killed him off next week, I wouldn't it, lose any sleep over the episode. Exactly, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. He's going to be a one and done this season. He'll be wrapped up. And put in a box somewhere, or whether that's underground or just in the storage closet, and they'll pull pull from him later on if Ollie does become there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, although, um, so I mean, getting on that note though about the the Thea storyline, which again I agree with you is the weakest part of the episode. Uh, very Truman Show esque, as we had mentioned before too, and, and Wayward Pines. Uh, this appears to be the underground city built by Dark, in which where everyone who is important to him is going to be living while Genesis is taking place, wiping out everybody on Earth. 
and which makes me very curious as to why is Thea even there? Like, is there? Oh well, never mind. Malcolm's daughter. Yep, that's just that's my I think my reasoning why she's there. It's just to keep. It was something that probably Malcolm said. You have to do this for me if we're going to do this. She's still my daughter. I, I'm going to turn her back on my side. Whatever I have to do, but do not kill her. You know, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking now too. So, um, but I mean, obviously, this going into uh, very reminiscent to uh, Monument Point from the comic books, which was a um, I can't remember if Monument Point was an underground city in in the comic books. I know it was a um, a large metropolis. Um, you know, very similar to Washington, not too far from Washington, D.C. in the D.C. storyline uh, that was very um, uh, Justice Society of America based of this storyline and which also happens to be the title of next week's episode, too, which happens to be Monument Point. So I'm very curious if that's what the actual name of this town is going to be next week's episode. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, again, anything else we're missing from this episode before we move on to, well, uh, one more thing that I had mentioned to, um, or that we didn't mention was Rubicon, which happened to be a nuclear deterrent that was stored inside of, uh, Lila, Lila's arm, uh, which Damien Dark removed, which now gives him access to the world's nuclear army, which seems to be what Genesis is going to be. Yeah. It is, sounds like it's just going to be laying waste. Yeah, yeah, which is why uh, the arc or monument point or whatever it's going to be is uh, going to be very important. It's where the survivors are going to going to live. Yeah. Uh, but again, mentioning next week's episode, uh, as I mentioned, titled Monument Point, Season 4, Episode 21. When Team Arrow learns what Damien Dark's next move is, Felicity realizes she needs to ask her father, Noah Cutler, uh, for help, which means we're going to see a return of the calculator mm-hmm. next week. Uh, and uh, Paul Blackthorne will be in next week's episode as well. So we're going to see Quentin Lance return indeed, uh, to next week's episode. So that being said, let's move on to the third show of the week. That being Legends of Tomorrow Season 1 Episode 14 titled River of Time. After numerous attempts in different time periods, the team has successfully captured Vandal Savage. However, Savage tells Kendra that he can reunite her with Carter, so she struggles with him. We- so she struggles with whether she should kill him. Uh, Rip decides that they that they will deliver Savage to the Time Masters, which doesn't sit well with Snart and Rory. The duo decides it may be time to jump ship and return to their old life. Meanwhile, Savage taunts Ray about his place in Kendra's life. Uh, so a couple notable things we find out in this episode. First off, we find out that Vandal Savage is, in fact, a time traveler. He has figured out a way to travel through time, which can kind of fix my complaint with last week's episode in that if you kill Vandal Savage in the future, how does that improve the timeline? How does that change things? Uh, And now we're finding out with Vandal Savage being a time traveler, killing him in the future actually could fix things because he, this version of Vandal Savage could be going back to the past to do more damage. Right. And I, one thing I loved about this mention was when Rip did confront him about being able to time travel he's like you showed a caveman fire and it was such a great nod too because in the past you know for vandal savages he was a caveman and it was a caveman that was just immortal so it was a nice nod to that i thought i thought it was it just made me smile it was a nice kind of point instead of him being like the egyptian that they made him in this show it was a nice uh, nod to his real origins 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we got a big mention to, well, obviously we saw the return of Carter. And I was, <laughs> again, we're probably going to jump all over the place with this episode. Um, but we saw by the end of the episode, Carter returning to his right state of mind, realizing who he is and becoming Hawkman once again. And it was kind of a funny moment because right after he becomes Hawkman, he gets stabbed by Vandal Savage. Oh, God. And I thought to myself, I'm like, great, Carter returns to be Hawkman simply to die again. <laughs> and uh, thankfully, you know, he did survive that at the end of that. Like they said, he was still alive. But if they really did kill him off, I'm like, what, what the fucking point was that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I'm glad to see that he's still alive and that we're possibly, but in these last two episodes, we're going to see the return of Hawkman, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, if they did kill him off, I'd really just want to find you know fall kenshul and just give him a hug i'm like i'm so sorry brother (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly i feel like i'd almost want to interview him again and be like oh dude i'm so sorry Uh, i think we jinxed you by talking just like paul blackthorne man they use them as a punching bag in their shows man poor guys poor guys um we got a nod to the fans that being in the form of jurgens ridge which is a nod to dan jurgens the creator of booster gold which Mm -hmm. was pretty cool uh, I got to see something I have wanted to see, and we mentioned this on a previous podcast, too. This is something I've wanted to see come out of this show, and I finally got to see it. I finally got to see Ray Palmer get mad, and it was fantastic. I, I've been waiting for it because he's always been so happy-go-lucky, but we finally found his weak spot being with Kendra, and um, we see him get mad, and unfortunately... Uh, it doesn't work out so well for Ray. Yeah, and it, I, it was nice to finally see that, and I actually really liked how they used Vandal Savage this week as well. Um, I did like the fact that he was appealing to the side of himself that matches a lot of the traits of the current cast, and the way that they've made them, and kind of like, hey, you know, we're, you know, talking to Ray, it's just kind of like, I lost her too, and I understand the rage that's going through, and bringing up that point in time where... They never found Carter in one of their lifetimes, and they actually found each other. It didn't matter about their past, and they actually did fall in love. And it was like that brought something interesting to the story that I think has been meeting, uh, like actually really needing it for quite some time. Yeah, and it shows, and they made that made Vandal a little bit more interesting than he has been in the past. Like seeing him really play with peop- uh, people's minds that way was the kind of Vandal Savage I wanted to see. And the fact that they finally did it—it's a shame it's only a couple episodes from the end, but at <laughs> least they finally did it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and it's gotten to the point now where I think the the main cause and effect of everything is it, like Vandal Savage has to die. Like there's no if ends or buts about it now, I think at this point. Right. Uh, and that's pretty much because of the way that the episode ended. But we'll get to that in a, in a short amount of time. Uh, the other thing that came out of this episode, which I was very happy to see, and I don't know about you. Um, the Rob Ray- Roy Scotch. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool, too. Uh, but no, um, Ray and Kendra are done. They are Splitsville. Yeah, I'm actually and happy that they wrapped that up. And it's gonna- I am very happy that they wrapped this up because I felt like it was almost too much of a distraction to what the rest of the story could be. Yeah, they were spending a little bit too much time on them than I think that was necessary. I mean, it's I, I did like the way that they addressed it, especially this week where it was going back to... You know, we got flashbacks this episode of everybody right before they left for the most part. And we did see that scene with Ray going back to Star City and talking to Felicity. And he's like, I'm going to travel the world, not fall in love, you know. Yeah. And it was him kind of kind of reconciling with that idea. And it's just kind of like, this is bringing too much pain. I, this is not the best for the, our mission at this point. I'm tired of being thrown around. This is not going to work out well for me. 
and it leads to him making one really bad decision. Um, but I think it was an important decision, uh, important thing that needed to happen in the show for this big finale. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, another moment, of course, that we got to see was uh, Jax is no longer on the ship, and that is due to the um, uh, the the asshole. intelligence. I was going to say the assholishness of Rip Hunter. <laughs> well, the assholeness assholeness of um, of Rip Hunter, but also uh, the the care of Martin Stein. Yeah, uh, he comes up with a way to figure out to fix. So basically what happens is if you've you've obviously already seen the show if you're listening to us but you know in the moment where you know Rip Hunter sends Jax to repair the Wave Rider and uh it costs him it costs him dearly he kind of sets him up to be uh I guess as uh as Sarah calls it a suicide mission. Yeah, it's as as he's trying to fix the the pretty much uh <laughs> I don't even remember what the hell they called it. Um but it was the the time drive when they were trying to fix it. It was leaking temporal yeah. radiation, which Rip knew about and Rip was too focused on wanting to save his family. He didn't care on who on the ship actually died for that reason, just to make sure he could complete his mission. It was these people were still expendable in his mind. Sarah calls him out on it. And by the time all this is happening, you know, we're seeing Jack's aging at a rapid pace. His organs are, are starting to fall apart, and he looked the equivalent of somebody in his you know mid sixties. Um, you know, Professor Stein understanding what the best thing to do and the only way to potentially fix this was to send him back into the time stream, um, back to an earlier point of Star City 20, uh, 2016, back through the the jump ship. So pretty much, pretty much in essence, sending him home. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we've seen one half of Firestorm sent back to 2016, and we know too that it, uh, it's a one-way trip. It is. Uh, it's a one. It's a one-time, one-way trip. It is a one-way trip, and it was also really kind of touching because Martin knew knew that that kind of sealed his fate. That without Jacks there, that he will eventually just give up and basically explode the same way that we saw. Ronnie in Arrow or uh, Flash last season before Martin and him teamed up that they were just were actually while they were teamed up that they were just unstable uh, and we saw you know Martin fight with that during Flash season two this season as well so but my curiosity in that too is wouldn't the same thing happen to Jax uh potentially I I don't know how that's gonna play out maybe that's the case but again back at home they have Cisco and all these other people that can potentially do something and they can find somebody else where Stein currently is just away from everybody and everything and they may not have a way to fix it yeah do we think this is the, I don't think this is the last we've seen of Jax though I think they're gonna be reunited before any of this comes to fruition yeah I, I think so too I think we're gonna see them you know he's gonna either bond with somebody else and come save the day at the end um, or we could just find him having a way home. They could find a way to fix the Wave Rider, get back to Star City 2016, and maybe our finale is actually going to be back on Earth. Yeah, it could be. I mean, we do know that there is an upcoming scene. Uh, at least we've seen production shots of Sarah and Quentin visiting Laurel's grave. So we do know at some point in time they are going to return home. So it's just a matter of when exactly is that going to happen and in what capacity. Yeah, I, I think I think that kind of does kind of tell us that we are going to wrap up probably back on 2016. Yeah, I think that's likely. where all this is going to kind of come to a head. Uh, by the end of the episode, we do have one big reveal that honestly, I'll be completely honest, I did not see coming at all. And that would be that um, the Time Masters and Savage are in cahoots with one another. They are working together. 
uh, we know you know we see that uh, they do finally find their way through the time stream to the vanishing point in which Rip Hunter turns over Vandal Savage to the Time Masters, only to find that the Time Masters are going to return Vandal Savage back to Earth, and Rip Hunter is the one that is arrested at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically equating that the Time Masters are the Empire and Vandal Savage is Darth Vader. so Or the Emperor, whichever way you want to look at right. it. Right. So, uh, so by the end of the episode, we do see Rip Hunter uh, in his cell, as well as the uh, the army uh, or the soldiers of the Time Masters going through the Wave Rider and collecting up pretty much everybody but Snart and Sarah, uh, who at least we believe are going to be hiding for the time being. So it's probably going to come down to Snart and Sarah finding a way to save the day by the end. So. Uh, anything else from this episode that we're we're kind of missing? No, I think that really pretty much covers it. Yeah, I mean, not a, a full episode, obviously, or not a uh, not a spectacular episode, but still a great episode, nonetheless. Uh, these episodes have been really good. Yeah, it's and been a nice have, build up to the end. Yeah, and we have two episodes left, so I'm very curious to see where things are going to go. But uh, starting with next week's episode. Uh, titled Destiny, Episode 15. Being in the vicinity of the Time Masters leaves Rip and Rory incredibly disturbed for very different reasons. Uh, Meanwhile, Sarah takes over the Wave Rider, Kendra is reunited with Carter, and Snart decides he might be a hero after all. So I'm hoping we're going to get to see some more awesome Snart. Uh, Awesome Snart action Mm -hmm. coming next week. I think it's coming. Yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up uh, Legend, though. Uh, So shall we head into Essentials? Yep, that works for me, taking uh, taking this into the DC Essentials portion where we hit some of the news uh, in the world of DC television as well as, uh, you know, some recommendations that we're going to have for you uh, to check out before next week. Uh, first off, I just want to make mention, I did just read this online as we were doing the podcast. Today is a particular person's birthday. It is his 35th birthday. And uh, that today being the day we're recording, uh, Sunday, May 8th, uh, it is Stephen Amell's birthday today. So he is celebrating his 35th birthday. So I thought that was just fun to point out since we're talking about Arrow. Indeed. So happy birthday, Stephen Amell. Yes. And hopefully one day we will be talking to you on this podcast. Uh, We can keep our fingers crossed. I know he's a very busy guy. Yes, he is. So. Uh, but I guess I have one news story, and then you have a bunch of other stuff. So I guess maybe I'll just knock mine out of the way first. Do it up. Uh, we had mentioned, obviously, earlier on that Supergirl has wrapped up for the season, but we did have some news, and that being that Supergirl might be moving to CW for Season 2. Uh, not confirmed, uh, but Supergirl fans of Supergirl have recently uh, been at a loss over the late um, as of late, over the lack of word on the series, presumed second season. Uh, but there's good reason for the delay in the announcement, as it has a lot to do with the show's rather ludicrous price tag, with licensing fees reaching some per uh, some three million per episode from Warner Brothers and CBS. Uh, the fan base, though, has um, uh, is. It has a legitimate gripe about everything, uh, but there's talks now that Supergirl might be moving to CW uh, as well as moving to Vancouver for its shooting as it has. Uh, it will definitely help the budget of the show and definitely open up a lot more possibilities to more crossovers with the other shows as well. Right. So uh, hopefully we get to see that happen in the future. I'm completely on board if Supergirl moves to CW. So, And I have a feeling ultimately I think it's going to stay on CBS. I would be surprised if they actually do go through with a move, but we do know 
Vancouver is looking like 90% likely, so that will drastically help, but at least since it's still Berlanti, um, that we will still see crossovers. So and of, and, of course, CW and CBS are owned by the same parent company, so that's still, if they're both shooting in Vancouver, that still definitely opens up the possibility to more and more crossovers as well. But yeah, I mean, I do think so. it's, moving to CW would be wiser. I think that's where the demographic is going to be at more so. Um, and I think CW may, might be able to do a little bit more with that show than CBS is willing to. So, uh, like I said, I think we're both holding out hope that that is the case. But if it doesn't move to like Vancouver, I think that's still a great move. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess for me, a um, couple things to go over real quick. Uh, we did hear a little bit more about Colton Haynes this week, who we did get to see on Arrow this season. Um, apparently, one of his big reasons for leaving Arrow uh, two years back was primarily due to a lot of health concerns, uh, and specifically kind of like he was going through a lot of emotional stuff at the time and uh, was dealing with a lot of depression, but he did kind of come out and say he's been working on that very heavily and he's been pretty much in the best place he's been in in a very long time, and he's really looking forward to getting back into acting quite again. And it sounds like we're going to be seeing him quite a bit more next season of Arrow. I think that's a very welcomed thing now, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm very much looking forward to him returning to the show. Uh, next up as well, as we did hear that Ben Affleck has now been promoted to an executive producer on the Justice League flick. And specifically, he's going to be doing a lot of work uh, fine-tuning the script with his friend Chris Terrio, who he's worked with quite a bit in the past, and is going to be one of the key members for the post-production process, specifically in the editing end of the film, to make sure the film was a lot more cohesive in comparison to what Batman vs. Superman was. So I think that's also a great positive for that film. I think having him work more in tandem with Terrio, I think, will be a, a much-needed thing for that film. Yeah. Uh, as well as we did find out as far as the TV world, uh, Sidney Palmer, who was mentioned in like Legends of Tomorrow a couple episodes back, may actually be appearing in Season 2 for that show, as so we'll actually maybe be seeing Ray's brother. So kind of curious on how they're going to do that since he looks just like him. So I think that all but confirms Adam is safe and will be on next season. So um, as well as this, we did talk last couple weeks about Batman the Killing Joke. We do have a real final date for that. The film will be out on DVD and DVD and Blu-ray on August 2nd. And it will be on video on demand on July 23rd, a week after its premiere on Com at Comic-Con. I can't wait. I know. I'm super pumped about that. Uh, also, talking TV a little bit again, too, Stephen Amell has recently was just made an appearance on uh, Larry King Now and did confirm when asked about the question if Laurel Lance will be coming back, and he said no. Uh, Larry King's response was a simple no, and he said to simply no, she is not coming back. So, which is a bit of a shame, but quite okay if they can do some interesting things with that. We know we will see at least Laurel still appear on the flash at the end of the season and we'll be continuing her run in vixen for season two on the cwc animated series i'm trying to think if there was anything else i think one last thing too legends of tomorrow there was some more casting news brought up we do know that we are getting one more hero at the end of this season appearing but we also have now casting calls for two additional characters, and what was stated was a male in his late 20s to mid-30s is being sought to play a guy who grew up in the shadow of a World War II hero grandfather and has used a Han Solo-like facade to conceal his insecurity until that uh, the development of superpowers enables him to live up to his family's legacy. So no quite idea who this is. 
Um, and the other character is a female member of an elite pal- uh, paramilitary team living in the 1940s, an African-American. She is scrutinized in her time for being her, of her both her gender and race, and thus has worked twice as hard to be a perfect soldier. That said, she blames herself for and the uh, and aims to avenge the death of a team member for whom she has repressed feelings for. So right now, a lot of the ideas with these characters is we're potentially looking at Commander Steel, Gravedigger, Lady Blackhawk, or the Crimson Avenger. So lots of uh, lots of stuff out there. So I'm very curious to see where they're going to go for season two. Yeah, because we I don't I don't even think we have any. I mean, we've gotten word. Uh, we've gotten rumblings of as to what Flash season three is going to be. We've gotten rumblings as to what Flash season or Arrow season five is going to be, but no word yet on where they're going to go with with Legends yet, as of yet. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very curious to see where we're going to go from here and what these characters are going to bring to the table, as well as is this Booster Gold getting added to the team at the end of all of this, or if it's Alan Scott, not really quite sure. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see where where we're headed. Yeah, I'm still as much as I would love it to see Booster Gold, I'm not hopeful. Um, I think it's going to be somebody else, but uh, I'm I'm still looking forward to it. I mean, again, we're only two weeks away, so. Well, I guess I think I really do think we are going to see Booster. Um, it's no lie that Kreisberg has come out many, many times and said his absolute favorite character in all of DC has been Booster Gold. So I think them, you know, giving him that character is is not off the table, especially when he was able to convince him to say, "Give me Rachel Ghoul." So. I think I think this is coming. I, I do think this is actually where where, where we're going to go. All right. Well, I mean, like I said, two weeks we'll find out for sure. Mm-hmm. So less than two weeks, actually, at this point. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Cool. So with the news section being wrapped up, let us re- reveal our recommendations for the week in which I believe we both actually have recommendations this week pertaining to things mentioned in episodes this past week. Uh, I think Indeed. of Arrow and Legends. So, I mean, last week we definitely made recommendations with Flashpoint and everything going into references made in the Flash. But this week we're going with Arrow and Legends, which I think is a nice change. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'll kick things off then with my recommendation this week being very specific, actually, as to uh, as to where my reference is going to go. And I am going to a specific issue of a particular comic book, that being Justice League, uh, Justice Society of America, episode 44, written by Mark Guggenheim, which is, of course, the first appearance of Monuments Point, or Monument Point, which is, of course, where we're going to be going with Arrow and the underground city. So if you want to know a little bit more about Monument Point and everything that happens there and the characters that are involved, uh, again, Dr. Fate, uh, Jay Garrick as the Flash, Alan Scott as the Green Lantern, Lightning, Mr. Terrific, Wildcat. A lot of the Justice Society of America classic uh, characters. Just uh, you can check it out on com- uh, uh, Comicsology, uh, Justice Society of America episode or issue forty four. Cool. Uh, and for me, mine is a nice tie to you know Legends of Tomorrow this week, and specifically with what happened with Jax. Um, we did see him getting uh, aged up from the temporal radiation. And this is not the first time this has happened to any character that has traveled through time. This actually has happened to Booster Gold in the past. And uh, the way that they actually had him survive that was actually diving into the core of the Vanishing Point, which actually transformed him into Wave Rider. Um, And this is actually the uh, pre-Flashpoint Booster Gold that did this. And this is now after. (laughs) It's kind of hard to go into this because there's a lot of you know, Flashpoint changed quite a bit in the world. So 
so we did see that him being reborn into Wave Rider during Convergence. Uh, so that actually does happen in Convergence Booster Gold number two, and also follows back up in Convergence number eight, which actually came out last year. Or actually, we're still kind of not far off removed from that. So this was actually fairly recently. And I will say this off the bat, Convergence, eh, maybe not the best thing DC's done, <laughs> but it's still kind of interesting because it makes you wonder what they're exactly going to do with Jax. So maybe it's a nice little tie to look at, and maybe we can read into that in a little bit in the coming weeks, and maybe that does play out in the next two weeks. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, cool. So with our recommendations out of the way, we're going to get ready to get out of here. But f- before we do that, of course, we have to throw at you our cheap plugs. Uh, and Rob, we'll start with you this time around. Okay. Well, like I said, you can always check me out at caffeinecrew.com. Uh, it's caffeinecrew.com on Facebook and Twitter. Or you can email me at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. In addition to emailing both me and Ben for this show at DC primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. Um, as always, too, we've mentioned special thanks to George Shaw and his stuff over at georgeshawmusic.com, and we thank him every week for our intro and outro. And also, before we get to Ben, a big reminder, because we'll forget to mention this, next week we are both away. Um, we are both at doing two separate conventions, so the show will be coming out late Monday night, if not Tuesday morning, so fair warning. Yeah, thank you for that too, because I would have forgotten to mention that had you not uh, <laughs> had you not brought that up. So, but uh, yeah, it should be a fun weekend next weekend too, covering two uh, different conventions and uh, possibility. If uh, I don't want to mention it, but we might have a surprise next week for if depending on what comes out of my visit to my con next week, we might have a fun little addition to next week's uh, podcast. And if, Rob, if you don't know what you're what I'm talking about, I'll reveal it to you uh, when we're done recording. So oh, I, I I do remember what you said. Okay. So I'm I'm excited and hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, you're going to the Atlantic City Boardwalk Convention, and I'm going to be going to Steampunk's World Fair. So, yep, two different conventions, but uh, should be fun. So yeah, so as Rob mentioned, uh, a little late recording next week. So just plan your schedules accordingly, uh, and don't send us hate mail when we don't have a podcast up for you to listen to Monday morning. So, uh, but yeah, my cheap plugs, of course, you can catch me on my other podcast, the showcast, which is also part of the next level podcast network, which is what you were listening to this one on. Uh, you can check us out www.nextlevelradioonline.com. And as Rob also mentioned, DC primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com, where you can reach either one of us. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash next level radio online. And of course, follow us on Twitter at NXT level radio. Uh, so with that being said, I think we're going to be done for uh, for this issue of DC Primetime. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Mm-hmm. Enjoy your Mother's Day, and I hope you enjoyed Free Comic Day. So if not, go to your comic store and apologize to him. Buy lots of stuff this week. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>